0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Swift Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Peter Whittam. You can find me at peterwhittem.com and this podcast, along with other content, at compileswift.com. This is another developer journal episode, so let's go ahead and dive into my thoughts here. This week, I did a whole bunch of upgrading all the things. I wiped an external drive and did a fresh install of macOS Monterey so that I can play around with some new tools on there. I also did a wiping of another external drive that is the one that I use for all of the macOS Ventura uh, betas, the pre-releases. That's my kind of testing platform, if you like. I went ahead and wiped it because I'd been having some problems updating, while you may recall from the previous comments and episodes that I couldn't update to Beta 5, so I decided to just wipe the drive and start over. And it worked a lot better this time. The beta 6, I believe it was, is the latest one that I put on there. And that installed nicely, no problem. However, the funny problem that I hit, and this is one of those, it's not terrible, but it's a little annoying. I installed the Xcode beta, fine, no problems. But then I have a script that I use that I purchased, and I'll put some details in the show notes for this but it's a Ruby script that I have that installs the latest version of Ruby and a whole bunch of other tools like Homebrew and custom ROMs and everything else. And a shout out to Moncrief on that. Just a fantastic tool, worth the money in my opinion, but that's just my thoughts on it. Anyway, I have this script that does all of that for me that he wrote, and it's great. It installs all the latest versions of everything in one go, plus I list a whole bunch of other tools To install as well. Now, the gotcha there is that to run that script, of course, you need to have the Xcode command line tools, which you don't get by default. Now, the script is clever. The script will try and go and get those tools for you. But here's the catch. I am, of course, running a an unsupported version at this time of the OS, right? It's a pre-release, a beta, macOS Ventura. So no problem. I went over to the Apple developer portal and I grabbed the command line tools from there and installed them. And it was actually one version old. They had the, well, I think it was the beta five version of the command line tools. But anyway, downloaded that, hoping it would work. And it did no problem installed. And that was great. It got the script running and the script was happy and everything else. However, my next problem, of course, which should have dawned on me was that I was then using another bunch of issues because some of the other tools, like Ruby versions and some other things, said, hang on a minute, this is a pre-release version of macOS. We don't support this and we're not going to let you install it. So I had a bit of a roadblock there and had to go back and do it manually. Now, it's no criticism of the script. The script is fantastic. I absolutely love it. It is great. I c- you can use it to update everything very easily. But of course, I hadn't, account- hadn't taken into account some of those problems with trying to do installs on this pre-release OS. And even when I tried to do some of them manually, it didn't work. Well, again, no biggie, that's on me. These are pre-release versions of the OS, just like the early days when we were going through the Intel to Apple Silicon crossover, where some tools and libraries are not yet built to support them. This was the same thing. It's they're not yet built to support the new version of the beta version of the OS. Fine, that's completely understandable. But anyway, I got the Ventura running, so I can start exploring that latest beta version. As we get towards the end of the year here, heading towards the fall and those expected releases, especially now with an Apple event at the beginning of, well, around the beginning of September, we can assume that everything's on track, and we're probably going to get those tools at the beginning of the fall, pretty much like Apple suggested earlier in the year at WWDC. So I I like to really start diving in and working with those and seeing if updating when they come out to the production versions is a good idea, or in the case of macOS, maybe I should wait a little while. So anyway, that's what I've been doing there. I want to tell you about DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is a hosting company that I use for a lot of my projects, and I'm going to tell you, rather than just the usual thing that you hear on adverts, I'm going to tell you exactly how I use it. It is so simple to set up, you just log in, and I can set up very quickly with a few clicks whatever kind of instance I need on a server with whatever OS or pre-installed apps. I'm gonna give you a perfect example here. It is so easy to set up Swift on the server-side vapor, and I did that recently, and it it was painless. You know, I went in there and I set it up. And before you knew it, my Swift app, I was bouncing off the APIs that I had created on the server side and testing everything that I needed to be tested. But you don't have to use it for projects just like that. You can really use it to host anything you want for any length of time because you're really only paying for the resources as you use them. You're not paying ahead. And they have 14 globally distributed data centers and 99.99% uptime. I'll put a link in the show notes, but you can go to PeterWidham.com forward slash D-O-C-E-A-N. That's D-Ocean, and that'll give you some free credits to get started with. Now, getting back to the fresh install of macOS Monterey on an external drive, that is because I always like to have kind of an emergency uh, bootable drive. Where I can start over fresh if something goes wrong with the internal one or I screw something up. It's always good to have a working backup platform. So that's what that one's for. Moving on to other things this week, I have been working on some web pages and trying to tidy up as my app that I've been working on, one of my personal apps, to try and get it ready to ship to the store. Now you may recall in a previous episode of the podcast that I had said this is something where we should Go in and do a whole bunch of things. And I've got a checklist that I suggested in that podcast episode. I'll put a link in the show notes. And I've been following a lot of my own advice there, trying to get a bunch of things in place, like a web page, a drop page, a landing page for people to hit that have some details on the app, trying to polish up the app a little bit, fill in some blanks, check everything, run it a bit more. I feel like I'm getting close to something that I want to try and ship to the store. So, I'm now running it through test flight as well for myself, and I'll probably talk about that more in the future. I don't expect great things from this app, not because I don't like it because I built it for me, but because it's a very niche product. If you are a Fuji film camera user, it supports it's designed to capture the custom film presets that's a very niche limited audience right It's not gonna be the next big thing, but that's fine because this tool was built primarily because i needed it and then i realized it would benefit other folks if i get a handful of downloads and some nice reviews i'll take that as my win that's fine that's great it solved a problem that i had if i can solve that problem for other people fantastic like i say it's not going to be a huge deal here it's just something that i've been working on for quite a while now and I'm sure I'll talk about that more in the future. Along with that, I have continued to work on updates for the CompileSwift website that I built with astro.build. Again, I've put that in, I think it was a UI Buzz podcast episode. That's another one of my podcasts where I spoke about Astro. I'll put a link in the show notes, but I've been very pleased with the way that's going and working with that, especially with Tailwind, CSS, and some of the products that I use, to lay out those pages very quickly in kind of components with the classes and then port them over into the page where I I finish the design and clean them up. So I'm hoping that the new Swift website is working out great for folks. It's greatly simplified right now. I still need to get the blog posts back up, but I really want to take my time a little bit on that. They were never doing great numbers as far as people viewing them. A lot of people tend to just go and hit those up on my peterwidom.com website. But I do want to get them back up there, I just want to get something that I'm happy with before I do it. So apologies if that's causing a bit of a pain for you, but all of that content is still available on my other website and probably comes up in a Google search if you look for it. That's it, if you have any thoughts, reach out to me CompileSwift on all the networks or go to CompileSwift.com and there's a contact form there. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. If this has been helpful, please, the rules right, the way this goes put in a review some comments whatever you want give it a rating and if you really want to go the extra step you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash p w c o m where you can buy me a coffee and of course there is a patreon for this if you want to get the entire back catalog all advert free that's something that i do for the patreon supporters you can go to patreon.com forward slash compile swift and find that there that's it folks i will speak to you in the next episode